Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. Hey, welcome to the Pursuit Podcast. Can you believe it's already fall? Personally now, this is my favorite time of the year. I love to see the leaves change. I love to go outside and feel the crispness in the air. I know it's not everyone's favorite time of the year, but I love this season. This season also reminds me of some words of a dear friend of mine who said to me once, life is not a destination, it is a journey. It truly is a journey full of highs and lows, mountain peaks and valleys and changing seasons. Now, if we could think about that for a moment with life and our faith, the mountain peaks, those are those wonderful moments where we can see the horizon from afar. The air is crisp and clean. There's no pollution there. It's just beauty. We're just up there above it all. We can see so far out. But where does the valley lay? The valley lays between two mountain peaks. And so if you want to go from one mountain peak to the next, you have to be able to push through the valley. And it's in the valley, if we could remember the vision we saw on the mountain peak, it would help motivate us between the mountain peaks as we go through the valleys. Well, that's kind of the idea behind this series we're beginning today. We're calling this series, Take the Hill. And uh, what we're gonna do is look at the calling, the dream, the drive that God has placed inside of you. Then go to scripture and find wisdom of how to push through our valleys, and continue going on to the purpose that God has placed in your life. So today, let's go together to Matthew chapter 4. Let's look at Jesus, how he went from his mountain peak moment at the baptism, as the Holy Spirit came upon him, and the Father said, this is my son, and then he had to go to the wilderness. But on the other side of the wilderness, he launched his ministry. So let's go together, Matthew chapter 4. Today's message is entitled, you are an overcomer. What I want to do is I want to start a brand new series this week, and we're going to look at Jesus as our model, and, and we're going to say, okay, as we go forward with God, and, we, and God's got the next hill for you to climb. He's got the next great adventure for you. He's got the gr- next great moment for you, and you've got to climb the next hill. I want us to look at what it takes in order to make sure we've got the nutrition inside of us and the fortitude in order to conquer the next mountain. And if we're going to conquer the next hill, you've got to understand something today, and it's not going to be real popular for a moment, but if you'll just follow along and listen through, you'll get happy on the other side of this, all right? You've got to understand that God will lead you to moments of still waters. We just got out of that series, right? so that you can take the next hill. But before you take the next hill, between still waters and your next great accomplishment in God, often comes a wilderness experience. Now, now, let me put all this into play for you now. We just got through studying Psalms 23. We talked about uh, still waters. The shepherd will lead his sheep to green pastures. And for about three hours a day, the sheep will lie down in those green pastures and they'll chew the cud. 
Science says that's when they put on the most fat, the most wool. That's when they get the most nutrients out of the food. They're resting. They're in the protection of the shepherd and they chew on the food and they're nourishing their soul, right? They're nourishing their body. He'll lead them beside still waters where they can get a good, cool drink of refreshing water. Now, why does a shepherd do this? It's because the next day they got a journey yet to go on. When you come to Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has just had a still waters experience. Jesus has just come out of the River Jordan, where John the Baptist declared to everyone that Jesus is the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world. And in that moment, Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan. And you're talking about a still waters moment, a refreshing time with his father. Think about this. John the Baptist announces to everyone, here's the Messiah. He's baptized, comes up out of the water, thunder rolls across the sky. And those who were attentive there said they heard a voice. And it was the voice of God saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. How many know that was Baptocostal already right there? Somebody got happy, walked on water, right? I mean, somebody, it was like, that was God. Then the Holy Spirit came down from heaven like a dove and landed upon Jesus. So now Jesus is in the still waters. He's just been announced. His father has made his approval and the Holy Spirit's come down on him. I mean, you're like, Jesus, it's time for you. Go preach. Question. Did Jesus immediately go from the river Jordan to the preaching in the synagogues? No. We know that between his baptism and his first sermon, which is found in Luke chapter 4 in a synagogue, between his baptism and his first sermon in a synagogue, God led Jesus. Let me say it again. God the Father led Jesus into a wilderness. Now, when I say wilderness, I don't want you thinking about wildernesses like we have here in Missouri. I'm not talking about heavy tree lines, thick pine trees, oak trees. No, I'm not talking about that at all. A wilderness in Judea is a desert. Look with me at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led, say these words with me and underline them, led up by the Spirit. Where? Into the wilderness. To be tempted by the devil. Did the God the Father see exactly why Jesus had to go to the desert? Was there a purpose in his desert experience? According to this verse, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. There's a purpose to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, somebody shout he was hungry. Then the tempter came. Shout he always shows up. And how many of you found out by now that the devil always shows up when you least want him to? Not when you least expect it, when you least want him to show up. He comes exactly at the most inopportune time for you. Because the most impromptu time for you is the most opportune time for him. 
He knows when to show up, and he shows up right there when Jesus is hungry after 40 days of fasting in the desert. Now listen, I just got to say something right here. Some of you have gotten irritable because it's been 100 degrees outside for the last 10 days. I know this because your husband called me yesterday to talk. But anyway, I'm teasing. Can you imagine being in a desert for 40 days? How many of you would be unlivable with? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Some of y'all are, are not shaking your head because you wonder if my previous statement was true or not. <laughs> and you're afraid your spouse really did call me this week. So you don't want to shake your head. They didn't. It was a joke. All right. Stay with me. So watch this. So then Satan says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Because he, and he answered, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Shout, way to go, Jesus. Look at verse 5. Then the devil, second time here, the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, it is written, shout there's the word again, it is written, Jesus is quoting scripture here, it is written, do not test the Lord your God. Verse 8, again the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and he said to them, I will give you all these things if you'll fall down and worship me. And look at verse 10, everybody read it out loud, ready to go. Then Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God, serve him only, and look at, the prompt, look at what happened, then the devil left him, and angels came and began to serve him. Here's what I want you to catch. That even in the life of Jesus, after he has a still waters moment, and listen, 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 you need to recognize your still waters moments. You need to recognize those moments, if you remember the past series, where God brings you to a time of rest so you can be refreshed, so that you can be restored, so that you can be reset, so that you can move forward in his name. You need to recognize those moments because when God gives you a moment of rest, when God gives you a season where you can just feed on the word, when God gives you a season where you can just be refreshed in the Holy Spirit, when God gives you those moments to refresh your soul, they're always to prepare you because he knows the journey that you're fixing to walk into. And between your still waters experience and the next great hill that God is going to lead you up to conquer, and this goes for any area of your life, you need to understand you will often find yourself in a wilderness experience. And when you do, it's not because you did something wrong, and it's not because God doesn't love you. Look again at verse 1. Look at verse 1. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. God cannot tempt you with sin, but God will allow you to be led into places where you may be tempted or go through a trial. 
And you got to ask yourself the question, why, God? Number one on your message notes, here's what I need you to remember in that moment. Write this down. Here's what you must remember. Here's what God knows about you. You must remember that in the wilderness, you will be stronger when you get to the other side. Come on, somebody shout stronger. You've got to remember that you're going to be stronger when you get to the other side. In fact, in fact, in fact, you take the life of Jesus. Jesus has announced. Jesus has this voice. Jesus has the Holy Spirit come down upon him. He is ready to go preach. But for whatever reason, the Father knew in order for Jesus to really be ready to go in the synagogue and preach that first sermon, he had to go face the devil, get some victory behind him. And when he got victory over the temptation, now he would be undistracted when he got out there and started doing the work. And sometimes in our lives and in our spiritual walk especially, but in every area of our lives, we have to understand if we're going to go where God wants us to go, we're going to conquer what God wants us to conquer. Sometimes we got to get in the wilderness and face some things in our lives because God knows if we will endure to the end, if we'll keep our faith, if we'll keep our eyes on the Lord, we'll be stronger on the other side of the desert than we were when we went in. And listen, Here's what you got to remember is the reason God knows you'll be stronger on the ends is because God knows deserts don't last forever. And when you get stuck in that desert, you've got to remember this isn't going to last forever. For Jesus, it was 40 days. 40 days. He has an eight. And the tempter came and began to tempt him at his weakest moment. Question. Did the Father ever leave him in those moments? Look at me. Answer it. Did the Father leave him? No. Did the Father ever doubt his son? Now, he knew what was in him. Think Jesus doubted himself a time or two? <laughs> yeah. He said, oh, no, he's God. I got to remind you, he's fully God, but he was also fully man. In fact, Ephesians says he actually laid down his deity while he was in human flesh. So that as Hebrew says, he could be tempted in every point just as we are tempted. And that's why when we pray, we can pray to a high priest who can sympathize and understand everything we're going through today. Jesus has been through it. He has felt it. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to hit his thumb. Yet the Bible said he did not sin. Most of us can't say that. Jesus, Jesus has experienced it all. He knows what it is to be tempted with lust. He knows what it is to want to use his power to just show his glory and to get at his accusers. He understands what it means uh, when we say, I'm, I, I'm just, I just want to explode. He felt that too. But the Bible says he never sinned. But he can understand now when you and I go talk to him and say, Lord, I'm struggling here. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness just as we are tempted. But God believed in him. God never left him. And I'm here to tell you, God believes in you and he'll never leave you either. In fact, let me give you a few verses here. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Take your pen. Go with me. But God is faithful. Shout, yes, he is. Now watch this. You need to get a hold of this. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able and I know sometimes when you're really weak and the temptation's coming so strong, I understand what it feels like to think, man, I can't, I can't win. I can't defeat this temptation. 
And you're going to feel that sometimes. But I need you to read the rest of the verse. Not only does he say he will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but with the temptation, he'll also provide you a way out that you may be able to bear it. Somebody shout, God always gives escape routes. And you've got to remember that in the heat of the moment. You've got to remember that when the temptation is so strong. You've got to remember that God believes in you more than you believe in yourself in that moment. And that you don't have to quit. You don't have to give in. And if you'll hang in there and look for it, God will show you a way out of an escapement. Look at this verse. This is the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, James. He says this, because you know that the testing of your faith produces, what's the next word? Circle it, endurance, and let endurance have its full effect. Somebody shout, let it happen. Why? So that you may be, three words here, circle them, say them. Mature, complete. So it's four words, isn't it? Lacking nothing. I am from Kentucky. It takes a little while to count. Lacking nothing. This is also why James would say, count it all joy when you enter into trials and tribulations. He didn't say enjoy it. He said count it joy. I've told you this a lot lately. There's a big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is a fleeting emotions. Joy is a state of the spirit. You do not enjoy. You don't, you're not happy in trials. If you're happy in trials... You're just weird. <laughs> and we got people to pray over you today. Nobody enjoys, nobody's happy. Oh, I'm in trial. I'm in temptation. No, no, no. But you can't have joy in it. Not joy because you're in it, but joy because you know you're going to be stronger and better on the other side. That's what he's saying here. Here's another verse you might want to write down. Romans 5, 3 and 4 says, Because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Somebody shout hope. And so here's, here's what I pray. The next time you're facing a wilderness, the next time you're struggling with a temptation or going through a trial and you're really having a hard time with it, I want you to declare this. I want you to declare it every morning. I want you to set it in your heart and your spirit. Write this down. I want you to turn your obstacle into an opportunity. I want you to give it over to the Lord and say, God, you already know I'm struggling with this. Lord, turn this obstacle in my path into an opportunity where I can be developed more like you and I can get victory over this area of my life so it doesn't keep tearing me down. And God can take your obstacles and he can turn them into opportunities and make you stronger so you can climb the next hill in front of you and do something great for God. Number two, I want you to be aware of the evil one's strategies. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says this, so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. God does not want you to be ignorant of the devil's schemes in your life. Look back at this account, and for our help, Jesus struggled in all these areas. Not only did it help Jesus, but it helps us. 
The first one was this. Jesus is fully man as well as fully God, and he hasn't eaten for 40 days, and he's hungry. He is literally hungry. And the Bible says Satan came to him and said, you are the son of God. You've got the power to turn rocks into bread. I dare you to fix yourself something to eat right now. Now, how many believe Jesus had the power to turn the rocks into bread? I mean, come on, Jesus out in the wilderness, he says, looks like a smuggler's boy, uh, you know, looks like a buffet to me. Anything he wants, it's there. He just say the word. And Jesus recognized the devil's tactic, and Jesus says to Satan, look at it. Get by, he says, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen? And then the second time Satan comes to him, watch this. Satan comes to him and says, all right, all right, listen, I got you, Jesus. Hey, you want everybody in the world to follow you? Let me be your marketing manager. I've got a great plan. I know how to get followers for you on Instagram. I know how to get everyone to your YouTube channel. I know how to get everyone following you all over the world, Jesus. Let me take you right now up on top of the pinnacle of the temple. Now, the pinnacle of the temple was about 100 feet above the valley floor of the Kidron Valley. He took him up to the top of that pinnacle. And, and listen, listen, listen. Satan knows Scripture, folks. And he knows how to take the Bible verses out of context and get you all confused and messed up. And, and he does that with Jesus. He says, "For the, it is written, Jesus, if... The, the father will not let your foot be dashed upon a stone. So here's the deal. Let's cast you off of the pinnacle. Let's, let's swan dive off of the pinnacle 100 feet down to the floor. And here's what we know. Right before you hit the ground, angels are going to come down and sweep you up and let you float on down. And everybody will follow you then. What a miracle. And Jesus says to Satan, it is written. Don't test the Lord your God. Then he comes a third time. And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And I believe this was the most painful of all the temptations Jesus went through. Because I don't believe he just showed him Israel and, and Babylon and Rome and Greece. I believe he showed him the kingdoms of the world of that day, but also of all time. I believe he showed him every political leader. Every, every emperor, every empire. I believe he showed him every world war, every senseless murder, every rape, every disease, every tombstone because of a disease or an accident. I believe he showed him the tears of every broken home, every broken marriage, every act of infidelity, every activity, sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage. I believe he showed him every slander every time someone got online and, and, and texted out some criticism that made themselves look better and feel better about themselves by tearing someone else apart. I believe, I believe he, he, he let him hear every, every cuss at, cussing out 
experience, every slander. I, I believe uh, every explosion of temper and anger and emotions and sadness and sorrow and sickness and death. I believe he showed it all to Jesus in that moment. Because watch what he says to Jesus. He says to him, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you will just fall down and worship me. Now, in the Greek, the tense is not a continuational worship. Satan didn't ask Jesus to worship him forever. It's a one-time invitation. I believe it went something like this. Jesus, hey, bro, it's just you and me out here. Now, 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 I remember you up in heaven, you know, when I used to lead worship and your daddy kicked me out. Yeah, that hurt my feelings real bad. But, but I got this deal. I got this deal. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, Jesus. It's just me and you, okay? It's just one time. Just one time, Jesus. You, you, you kneel down to me. Just do it once. Come on. And there'll be no more rape. There'll be no more cancer. There'll be no wars. There'll be no death. Come on, Jesus. Just, just one time. One time. Nobody will know. And I want everybody to look up here at me and online. I want you to look at the screen. Jesus loves you so much that Jesus looked at the devil and Jesus said, no. And I know for some of you, you're like, wait a minute, how's that love? Because I, I hear every once in a while, and so do you, someone say, well, if God is a God of love, why didn't he stop all the evil in this world? He had a chance to once. Well, why, why didn't he take the bit? There wouldn't be no more death. There wouldn't be any of this murder. There wouldn't be no cancer. There wouldn't have been all this sorrow. I want to tell you why the most loving choice of Jesus was to say no to that moment. It's because if Jesus had said yes, you would have heaven on earth. But because we are born under the curse of sin, we are born to die. And in the average lifespan for a human today is about 75 years. Some of you are blessed a little above that, and some don't make it quite there, but about 75 years. And so here's the deal. You can have heaven on earth for 75 or so years. But then after that, you've got hell to pay. Or Jesus could say no. And with tears in his eyes, walk with you and call Christians to walk together through very painful experiences for about 75 years. But then have the promise of eternal life. We're in heaven for eternity. There's no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, and no devil can get up there. And Jesus said, I love you enough that I'll let you have 75 years down here. I'm going to give you eternity over there. Somebody ought to shout, we got the better end of the bargain. So watch what Satan did. He attacked Jesus in his flesh, in his pride, and in Jesus' greatest desire, because you're his greatest desire. And I want you to write this down. When you face a wilderness, 
God knows you're going to be stronger when you get to the other side. And you don't need to be ignorant of the devil's schemes. You need to go into every struggle, every trying season of your life. I want you to go into it recognizing where Satan's going to attack you. Write these three things down. He's going to attack you in the areas of your weakness. He's going to attack you in the area of your pride. And he's going to attack you in the area of your greatest desires. He is always going to attack you in these areas. So this is what you and I have got to do if we know that's where he's going to attack. We need to be honest with ourselves about where is my weaknesses? Where am I struggling at right now with temptation? Where am I weak at in my spiritual walk with the Lord? Where's my character weak at? And instead of running and hiding it from God who already knows, we need to be bringing it to his feet and laying it down and asking for his forgiveness and confessing it and getting strengthened in it so that the next time Satan throws that temptation up, we are stronger to overcome. We need to understand he's going to fight you in the area you're weak at. And look at me. We're all weak in some area. But you don't have to stay there. You can get victory. And then he'll find another pressure point. But that's just part of the journey, folks. Amen? Look at your neighbor and tell him, we're all in this together. And we also all deal with pride. Come on. Man, does our self-stubborn pride ever get in our way? Don't wink at your husband. <laughs> he even knows our greatest desires, and he'll use it against us at times. Here's what I pray you'll do in those moments. If you recognize his schemes, write this down. I want you to stand and I want you to declare these words. You refuse to be defeated. You've got to say that in the midst of the moment. You refuse to be defeated. You're not going to let Satan win in this. And how do you overcome this? How can you face uh, your wilderness? How can you come out of a restful season with God? Cast your eyes on the next hill you're going to climb, but understand you may have to go through a, a, a little bit of a wilderness in order to be ready to run up that next mountain. Because the whole goal is God wants you to go up the next hill. He wants you to take the next hill. The wilderness is going to make you strong enough to do it. Because what is he doing when you go through the trial? He's developing your character. He's helping you get victory over some weaknesses. Helping you defeat the devil in your life so that you can get up that next hill. Amen? Here's how you prepare yourself. Write this down. Here's your big takeaway. You've got to feed your soul. You've got to feed your spirit so you can overcome the wilderness and take the next hill. Look at verse 10 and 11. The verse says this, Then Jesus said to him, He said to Satan, Go away, Satan! For it is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then the devil left him. And angels came and served the Lord. How I many know that on the other side of the desert, Jesus got built back up? Angels ministered to Him. Now here's the question. Do you recognize the strategy Jesus used in every single temptation written there in the Scripture? What did He quote back to Satan every single time? The Word of God. Do you know that one time Jesus said to his disciples as he's preparing them for the persecution they were going to experience after the crucifixion and the resurrection? Do you know Jesus told his disciples one time, he said, guys, 
there's coming a day when they're going to arrest you and they're going to take you before councils. And Jesus said, and when that day comes, don't you even worry about what you're going to say. For in that hour, the Holy Spirit will tell you what you ought to say. Now watch this. In another verse, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance whatever I have already said. So watch this. What are we supposed to be chewing on when we're in our still waters moments? We need to be chewing on the Word of God. That's the times we need to be consuming. You're not really in a trial right now. You're not struggling with anything right now. It's just kind of, you know, you're, you're in a restful state. In the restful state, you need to be chewing on the Word of God. You need to be filling your soul with the Word of God. You need to be in worship and allowing the Spirit to refresh you. Because I promise you this, when you get out in the desert, you don't always have time to go and try to find a Bible verse. When your prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling and you're wondering where God is, you, you can't say, I need to go find me a Bible verse. It's in that moment, what you put inside you, the nourishment you place inside you before the contest, the nourishment you put inside of you in the preparation stage is what will energize your spirit when you're in the middle of the heat of the battle. And the Spirit of the Lord will say, you remember that verse? Hey, do you remember 1 John 4, 4? Oh yeah. Greater is He who is in you than he who's in this world. Oh, don't you remember Romans 8, 31? Oh yeah. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me and gave Himself for me. Don't you remember Romans 5, 8? Oh yeah. <laughs> He forgave me of my sin. For while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. If He'd die for me before I ever repented, now that I'm repentant, He surely will forgive me. And all of a sudden, the Word comes to life in you. So in your still waters moments, feed on the Word of God. Feed your spirit. And then in the desert, you'll overcome. And all this is in preparation for what? So you can go take the next hill. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our...